Welcome to the Excel Still More podcast. I am your host, Chris Emerson. I'm here to encourage you in your walk with God. Thank you for joining in. Today's podcast is sponsored by a wonderful company, Creation to Revelation. This group of Christians believe it is extremely important that we teach the Word of God to our kids. They have original graphic illustrations from the beginning of the Bible to the end, featuring the beautiful and consistent presence of Jesus throughout. You can explore all of that at creationtorevelation.com. I'm so thankful you're here, so let's get started. Hey, welcome back. I certainly hope that you're doing well as we enter into this last full week of January here in the new year. I'm hopeful that you still feel optimistic, that you are building something, and that you are going to utilize what God gives you in terms of time this year to become something more for Him and for the people that you love. Before we get into our specific topic for today, I wanted to take just a few minutes and talk to you about that building process this year. I did an episode on January the 6th of 2020, and it was called Building Your Ladders. And it carried this super simple visual idea of how to build a great year. You start with vision for what you want to accomplish. You set some worthy goal and you pray about that. And it's like this ladder that you build to help you get from one platform to the next. The sides of the ladder, that's God's part. He has to put those things there and allow them to remain there. Your part is building 12 rungs. Of course, that breaks down naturally into the 12 months of the year. So here in January, you just want to work within the confines of this month. And I hope you've had a chance to do that. You set your budget for the month. You express some specific focus for the month. You make some disciplinary changes. And you really just try to win the month by those accomplishments. And that's your first rung that goes into the ladder. Now, when you get to the month of February, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and come up with a whole new set of goals, and you don't need to mound on all kinds of baggage to make it harder. Instead, you just repeat what you did in January, whether it's setting a budget or daily exercise or time with family, just keep it going in February. If you're able to stay consistent throughout the year, by the end of the year, all of those rungs go into the ladder if God has kept the sides in place, and you're on a whole nother level. Now, let me just say a few things about that, and we'll move into today's topic. If you are having a great month, if you have set the parameters and you are doing it, then finish out this week and celebrate. You may not have yet seen the final results, but you have just put the full formula into place. Because all you need to do on February 1st is tell yourself, I just proved that I can do this, and now I'm just going to do it again. Start that second rung knowing that nothing can get in your way. However, you may be listening to me right now saying, that is not the way my January has gone. We are in the last week. A lot of my good intentions have not come together. The changes that I wanted have been disrupted by COVID or whatever else it might be. Here is some really great news I want you to know. Have you ever climbed a 12-rung ladder before? It turns out that if you really want to climb it, even if the first rung is missing, you can usually step up to the second one and head to the top. 
In other words, a poor January doesn't mean you can't get to where you want it to go by the end of the year. But you can't really afford to waste any more time. So here's my advice to you. Use this last week and do one of two things. Option one is to salvage the month. Go ahead and make some of those changes today. Budget, family, faith, whatever it is. So you can enter February with momentum. But you may be listening saying, look, the rest of this month still looks awful and I don't think I can make many changes. Well then, at least sit down this week and plan for February. Decide what the changes need to be, set it up in a one-month interval, pray about it, share it with others, and gear up to start it on the first. All right, let me add a couple of thoughts that'll get us into today's topic. It is so important that you surround yourself with people who believe in you. You need encouragers around you, people who appreciate and applaud your progress and are pulling for you. People who may see that January didn't go as planned in your life, but they still totally believe in you. When you tell them you are behind schedule, but this is still important and you're ready to change, they say, how can I help? These are really awesome people who see the best in you because they believe in the power of God to hold you and transform you. And they also believe in themselves and what God can do in them. They rejoice with you when you rejoice, and they weep with you when you weep, because the love and the glory and the power of God is the light of their life, and it reflects off of them and onto you. Draw close to people like that. If there are people like that at your church, spend time with those people. If there are people like that where you work or in your family, draw close to them. Some of them will be perpetual encouragers who only see the best in you and would never criticize you and maybe give you more credit than you deserve. And while you know they're kind of going overboard, spend a lot of time with those people because they help you believe the best in yourself. Some of those people will be supporters of you, but also honest with you. Like the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. They may give you a little tough love, be honest and straight with you, but they're doing it because they believe the best in you and they see so much potential and you know that to be true, so you're drawn to them and you listen to them. Okay, here is the humongous however in today's episode where we finally zero in on our topic. Not everyone in your life is going to be like that. I'm sure you don't need me to tell you this, but there are probably people in your life maybe even very close to you in your life, who are not encouragers. For whatever reason, and I will share a few with you today, they are not supportive of you. They don't believe the best in you. Maybe they're cordial a lot of the time, but when you succeed, they're not impressed, and if you fail, it almost seems to satisfy them in some way. They may take very little interest in what you're trying to do, Or when they do take interest, they judge you unfairly. Their wounds are not faithful or helpful and oftentimes don't even seem to be fair. These people need to be encouraged. They need something to happen in their lives. So it is good that you are in some ways associated with them. But I certainly hope that they are not a part of your inner circle. They may be very close to you physically, 
but I hope that emotionally their words from whatever source it is coming are not being allowed to keep you from believing in yourself or more importantly, in God and what he can do with you. People like that have become less than affectionately known as the Russian judge. Are you familiar with that term? It seems fitting that we talk about it today because the Winter Olympics are kicking off in just a couple of weeks. In the 1960s and 70s, particularly in international figure skating competitions, there were lots of judging discrepancies by more than one country at the time, but most notably by the Russians. The scores that they gave were consistently outliers to the judgment of all of the others involved. You can probably very easily guess how that worked out. When Russians were on the ice, the scores were much, much better. When Americans were on the ice, the scores were much, much worse. Unjustifiably so. In fact, upon further analysis, it wasn't just Russia versus America. It was communist countries versus capitalist countries, and the scoring was widely different. In short, they were judging unfairly, and it had little to do with the competitors and more to do with them. And maybe that's the first thing we should note to compare their story to yours. If there are people in your life who are not supportive of you, who tend to be highly and consistently critical as outliers, in other words, the other friends in your life who will be honest with you are not critical in that way. If the truth is they're just being unfair, I want you to know something. There is a huge probability that that has nearly nothing to do with you or your performance or your heart and almost everything to do with them. And I'm not telling you that so that you will just disregard what they say, though there may be room to do exactly that. Instead, I would like to trigger some level of compassion in you. The Russian judges in our lives have something fundamentally off-center. And I think you probably know that. Let's go back to those Russian judges in the 20th century. If I ask you to give reasons for their behavior, do you think you could? You might say, well, they're jealous. They're jealous of the advancements of capitalist countries, and they want to take them down a notch. And that assessment is probably true. Jealousy shows up in the weirdest places, and exhibits the strangest behavior. You might say, well, they're angry. They're retaliating because the American culture opposes their behavior and their choices, and they're just looking for a way to get them back. And I think just about everyone would agree that that's what was happening. Or you might say, you know, it's a little less about jealousy or anger, and it's just more about bias or factions. They have a group, a people, that they're out to support, and you're not a part of that group. So taking you down a notch is the best way to give an advantage to their people. Do humans not from Russia behave like that? Yeah, they totally do. Now let me be clear at least one more time. There may be people in your life who correct you, who criticize you, or even condemn you, but you know that they love you and they're being fair, and they want things to be good, and so you listen to them. But the Russian judge, he's not like that. He is operating from jealousy or 
anger, or some party spirit that really has nothing to do with you. Now, it might be that you have no idea what I'm talking about, and there is no one in your life like that. I'm super happy for you if that's the case. But someone else may be listening right now, and they can see the face of this person. And I hope you're not angry with them. Again, I hope two things. I hope that you feel some compassion for things that might be broken within them. And I hope that you can learn to take their words, as we say, with a grain of salt. Don't let an unfair assessment affect the way you assess yourself. Okay, so look, I do not want today's episode to have a downer vibe. I tried to talk myself out of recording it all week long, and every morning I would wake up and think, no, this is important because there are awesome people in this world who listen to negativity that they shouldn't, and I just don't want that to be you. So let me give you a little advice today as we finish things up. There are three things that you might want to try, and I didn't come up with them. The Olympic Committee did. There were three things that they did throughout their history to try to bring fairness back so that people can be judged properly and rewarded when that's what they truly earned. The first one is something that they've done for a very long time. You may already know it. In international competition, in figure skating, the best score and the worst score gets dropped off the record. This predates the scandal of the 60s and 70s, but it did help along the way. If an American performer does well and the Russians give them a terrible score, it's dropped off. And on the other end of the spectrum, if an American judge rewards them beyond what they deserve, that also is dropped off. There are problems with that. I read a couple of super lengthy, somewhat boring articles about how unjust that can be but I think you get the idea. You're still open to be judged and assessed and measured, but you minimize or even disregard the impact of the extremes. My mentor in preaching when I was younger told me this. He said, you're going to get a lot of comments after you preach sermons. Remember this, you're never as good as any one person says you are, but you're also never as bad as any one person says that you are. I am certain that he is right on both accounts, But I really only live by one of those things. If someone is unduly and outlandishly negative, I ignore it immediately. If someone is unduly and irrationally positive, I acknowledge it internally is probably a little bit over the top, but I also treasure it in heart. Because if I could believe in myself as much as that person believes in me, the sky would truly be the limit. But let's start with this. When you're getting feedback on something that you're doing from more than one person. Even if it's people who all love you, take more stock in the answers in the middle, in the consistent feedback that you're getting, not in the extremes, especially the extreme negative, which is probably coming from the wrong place. I'm not sure why it is we need to hear that. It should be totally obvious, but there's something about extreme feedback that just sticks. Do not let that define you. Open yourself up to be scored, assessed, and helped. But drop one of those extremes right off the card, the worst one. But go ahead and treasure the other. Oh, and one more thing before we move on. Did you know that in national figure skating competitions, they do not drop the highest and lowest score? They trust everyone, and they let it all count. 
So don't go dropping input in every situation, only when there are suspicious attitudes at play. Okay, so here's the deal. That rule was in effect long before the scandal of the 60s and the 70s, but the Russian judges were so egregious consistently that that rule was not enough to protect the competitors. There's some math involved in that, but when you always have a terribly low unfair score that you kick out, then you lose the ability to kick out another low score, one that should have been taken away. And so it skewed everything in the wrong direction. So the solution was to just fire them for a while. Not forever, but for a while. For one year's international competition or for one of the Olympic Games. No Russian judges. We're not saying you're gone forever, but you're gone for now. And so, very quickly, there may be someone in your life who will always be in your life, and their judgments will always be a part of your life. But you can fire them for at least a little while. Just make a decision. For the next three months, nothing they say about you has the right to stick. They have been suspended, and they'll get another chance later. Maybe you need to replace them with someone else who can help you see where you are. But it's not going to be them. Not now. Not this time. Okay, one final tip in this last minute or two, and it's especially for those who are saying, Chris, I can't do that. They're in my own home. They're my boss at work. They're someone that I'm intimately connected with, and they just can't be set aside. Well, here's what the Olympic Committee did about that. They changed the scoring. They made it much more detailed. You can't just say, from 0 to 6, I give them a 4.2. You have to diagram where you scored that. You have to explain your answer. You have to justify the numbers with details. They have to score the jumps. They score the artistic part, the technical part, all of it. It may still be unfair, but at least it has to be answered for, piece by piece. I feel like I could go 10 more minutes on this, but I hope you hear what I'm saying. If that person is going to influence you with their judgment, ask for details. specifically. What do you have a problem with? Tell me exactly why you do not think I am succeeding or why I will not succeed. If their motives are impure, their answers will reveal it. Their poor justification will help you move past what they say and keep going. But also, on rare and important occasions, it will open the door to genuine discussion of what is really behind the things that they're saying. And wouldn't that be great? If you changing your approach to these people ends up actually helping them and your relationship. But in the meantime, be optimistic about who you are. God believes in you. Your friends support you. Be incredibly and openly grateful for that. And do not be discouraged by the Russian judge. Thank you so much for joining in today. If you enjoyed this program, consider sharing it with your family and your friends. And if you're just in search of deeper Bible study or you want to share the message of Jesus with the children in your life, remember to go to creationtorevelation.com. This wonderful company run by Christians provides beautiful illustrations of scripture from beginning to end, putting the spotlight on Jesus. And remember this, whatever you choose to do today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, excel still 
more.